I mean, the bells are quite easy to ring and we often get people sort of eight, nine, ten. In fact, a lot of the events we have, we get an awful lot of interest from younger people who want to have a go, as well as adults. And it's a very good way of introducing people to bell ringing and showing them what it's all about. Hi, welcome to the Fun With Bells podcast, where I, Cathy Booth, interview novices and some of the most famous ringers in the world as they reveal the mysteries of this heard, but often hidden, art. My guest today is Roger Booth, who's been ringing bells since he was 11. He's the owner of the Chambra Ring, which he's going to talk to us about today, and he's also my husband. Hello, Roger. Hello, Cathy. Right, first of all, what is the Charber Ring? The Charber Ring is a portable belfry. I use the term portable belfry rather than mini ring because the bells, the tenor is just under 100 weight, whereas with a mini ring, the bells are often much lighter, sort of 10, 15 pounds or even lighter. So the Charber Ring is the heaviest portable ring of bells in the country. It's actually heavier than uh, one ring of bells in a church in Cheltenham, in fact. And it was built around about 15 years ago by Matthew Higby as an exhibition ring to demonstrate what a small set of bells could sound like. When you say portable, can you lift them up in your hands and take them? Or what, what sort of size are we talking about? Not quite in your hands. Basically, the ring dismantled uh, is transported around on a trailer, which can be towed at the back of a 4 by 4 or large family car. And we take it out to various public events during the course of the year. And there is a steel frame which takes five people about an hour to assemble. And there's an electric hoist, which then lifts the six bells up to the ringing position where they're bolted in in place. About how high is it? The bells um, are about 10 feet above ground level. So overall, I suppose I better talk metric now. It's about three metres to four metres high. And when it's collapsed? Once it's on the trailer, it's about uh, no more than about six foot six high. We've been able to drive the trailer under a lot of height barriers, so that isn't too much of a problem. How long does it take to dismantle it again? It comes down a bit quicker than it goes up. We normally takes about 45 minutes to an hour to lower the bells onto the trailer and then dismantle the frame. So it's it's quicker. What sort of weight is it to tow the total weight of the trailer and bells is about 2.1 tons so that means that you need a reasonably powerful car or an suv or something a bit larger to tow it and how does it compare with other portable rings or mini rings the nearest comparison is the litchfield mobile belfry which is older that takes a bit longer to erect and dismantle And when Matthew Higby designed the Chamber Ring, he wanted something that was quicker. The Litchfield bells are very, very similar, if not slightly lighter. But one of the things that differentiates the two is that the pulleys for the Chamber Ring 
are at above the wheels. So because the pulley is above the wheel rather than the traditional position of at just below the wheel, it actually makes the bells easier to handle. So the bell's more like a normal tower to ring. The bells handle very much like a real set of tower bells, albeit something on the light side. Certainly it's not too difficult for a set of tower bell ringers to get used to them. And do people find them very different? Obviously they are different and there is a bit of a knack, but I always advise people to start with the heaviest bells uh, and then work round to the smaller ones. Where has it been wrong? We generally have about 15 bookings a year at various places throughout southern England. In fact, last year, 2019, we had over 20 bookings And you often get the case where more than one person wants it on the same day. So we could have taken it out 25, even 30 times, perhaps, if ever all the bookings had come to fruition. And what sort of places does it go to? We have all sorts of um, things. Typically, we take it out to public events such as carnivals and arts festivals. Occasionally, there are other specialist events. About eight years ago, we took it on a a tugboat on the River Thames because the people planning the 2012 Royal Jubilee wanted to find out what a set of bells were like hung on the back of a barge. Obviously, in the end, they decided to commission the Jubilee bells, which are much heavier. They're actually now hung in the Church of St. James Garlickhithe, but we were on the back of a boat first and we actually rang a couple of quarter peels that day. Um, we've also had it on the back of a lorry for the Lord Mayor's Carnival in Westminster, and we very nearly rang a peel with the bells on the back of a lorry. But those are sort of quite unusual events. Typically, we will go for a, a sort of village carnival. We've also taken it into schools and uh, a number of events involving young people. And in fact, We're quite keen to take it into schools if we can get some bookings. Last year, we took it to a school in Oxford, and we also took it to a school in um, Canterbury uh, for a couple of days. Um, We've also this year got it booked for a Scout Jamboree uh, in Sussex, which is going to go over a couple of days. So uh, there's all sorts of events We operate from three bases, one in Essex, one in Hampshire near Winchester and one in North Somerset. Whereabouts does it get taken to? We try not to take it too far outside our bases, but we've been up as far as Birmingham, uh, South Wales. We went to Newport last year, down to Devon. We've also had bookings in Canterbury last year and various bookings in Essex. So basically the southern half of England and the eastern part of Wales is our normal area of operation. What's the point of having this rather than people just ringing church bells locally? Why have a portable belfry? The idea of the belfry is that many rings of bells, the bell ringers are out of sight. There are not that many ground floor rings, so people don't get to see bell ringing actually being performed. And also members of the public can have a go. I mean, the bells are quite easy to ring and we often get people sort of eight, nine, ten 
in fact a lot of the events we have we get an awful lot of interest from younger people who want to have a go as well as adults and it's a very good way of introducing people to bell ringing and showing them what it's all about and what the Chamber Trust tries to do as well is to work with the local ringers and make sure that people who are interested can be followed up. So we've got a series of leaflets which we can hand out. We've got some stickers which we can give to young people. I rang the bells today. Uh, and we've also purchased a gazebo and some roller banners that we can put on a display to, to really get people interested in ringing and tell them what ringing is all about. And it's all about engaging one-to-one with people and, and meeting them and talking to them. And how much does all this cost? We have a flat charge of £150 a day. That goes up by £50 a day if you hire it for more than one day. And then we also charge people a mileage depending on how far we need to tow it. So on average, it works out about 200 to 250 pounds per event for the first day then extra 50 pounds per day on top of that if somebody thinks oh that might be quite fun for our local festival what what would they have to do in order for it for them to go about hiring it what we need to do is visit our website www.chambra.org and there's a page there all about the practicalities of hiring the ring our insurance certificate, and so on. And what people need to do is then click on the various links and there's an email link to us. We obviously set out our hire charges as well there so that everything's transparent and then people can actually see also what future bookings we've already taken on board, what provisional bookings there are, and then they can apply to us to, to hire the bells. We need a reasonably level site. It doesn't need to be perfectly level and we need access for the trailer and the car or vehicle that's towing the bells so there's some practicalities that we need to find out and often we find if we're hiring them for a carnival or something like that they've got their own health and safety policies so we probably need to give them a risk assessment and and there's quite a bit of admin that goes on behind the scenes to to firm up a booking. You haven't mentioned that They'd need some friendly people to erect it and take it down, wouldn't they? Yes, we normally provide a supervisor who's the guy who transports the ring to and from the event. But to erect the bells, it takes about an hour and we need ideally five able-bodied people for a fair amount of that time to unload everything from the trailer and help us erect. There are critical parts when the erection, when we need five people. Do the people hiring you need to know anything about bell ringing? We sometimes get requests to take the ring to weddings and and the like, and those come from non-ringers. We get sort of three or four, perhaps five requests a year. But obviously, we're not that keen to take them out to weddings because the whole idea is to promote bell ringing to members of the public rather than for what are effectively private events. But we do take them out to weddings but often we find we have to provide 
the band as well and that can be quite prohibitive by the time the because obviously the band don't just need to to ring the bells but obviously the wedding guests don't want to spend an hour getting mucky erecting the bells and they certainly want to go off to the reception rather than help us dismantle so unless the couple of ringers getting married usually it it doesn't work out unless unless people are prepared to pay quite a bit of money who's responsible for administering and managing the bells we formed a trust, the Chambra Trust. So what happens, we've got five trustees at the moment and each of them has various responsibilities. Three of us take the bells out and about to events and also one of the trustees looks after the maintenance of the bells. So they're currently, when they're not being used and they're not out and about, which can be for six months of the year, they're kept in a barn. And during that sort of close season, which runs from sort of October through to Easter, the bells will be checked over, the trailer will be serviced and the paintwork touched up. And then I look after the bookings and then another of our trustees looks after the accounts. So various trustees do various roles. What are the plans for the future? Well, we've been operating for 12 years now. And I think year by year, the the number of bookings is steadily increasing. I think at the moment, we've more or less reached saturation point because after about Easter, once the weather gets warmer through to the beginning of October, they're they're out most weekends. Um, What we'd like to do is obviously try and encourage some more winter bookings. If people want to take them into their school or into a shopping centre, we're quite happy to do that. But uh, what we're looking at is uh, the possibility of having a Mark II Chamber ring, one that's perhaps even easier to dismantle and erect, and also that's uh, slightly lighter overall so that more cars can tow it. And that might be based somewhere else in the, the country. So that's something that we're currently looking at. And we've got some people interested in helping us sponsor it and also operate it. So I'm going to go on to the last two questions. Apart from the towers that you regularly ring at, which is your favourite ring of bells and why? That's a very difficult question. I used to ring at St Anne's Limehouse in London. And I suppose, although I haven't lived in London for a couple of years now, I think I would regard them as my favourite ring of bells because when I first lived in London, there were no bells in St Anne's. And I helped the church over a period of time acquire the Ring of Bells. As I was so closely involved getting that Ring of Bells installed in St Anne's, and I was also, for a period of time, Secretary of Care for St Anne's, which was the church restoration appeal. And we did things like uh, restore the organ as well. That's my favourite Ring of Bells and why I uh, have such high regard for them. How do they sound? How are they to, to ring? Obviously, because they were effectively a new set of bells, we were able to install them exactly how we wanted them installed. So they were designed as an easy uh, set of bells. The, as a ring of 10, you've got the front six, which are quite easy to teach people on. Um, also, we were able to hang them below the louvers and we put a sound control floor in above them. So that floor can be opened up to let the full roar of the bells out on Sundays and at other times when we want to hear the bells, but also the trap doors can be closed so that they don't disturb the neighbours. So it's an ideal installation, a model installation as far as I'm concerned.
What remarkable things happened to you that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken up bell ringing? That's also a very difficult question. I think I've been involved in quite a lot of remarkable things. I think ringing a set of bells on the back of a tugboat and almost ringing a peal on the back of a lorry are quite interesting. I suppose the other thing, my background is uh, I'm a surveyor. So so as a surveyor, things involving construction uh, and bells have gone hand in hand. And I've been involved in a number of projects to uh, restore set of bells. And the other, another project I was involved very closely with was rehanging a derelict set of bells in Bermondsey. And the old Bermondsey bells we sold and they ended up at Toronto Cathedral in Canada. And I went along to the dedication ceremony there and stayed for about a week in Toronto. And I actually rang on the first uh, or some of the first quarter peels and peels on 12 bells in the North American continent. So I was quite proud of the Toronto bells. And some of the people that we actually taught at Bermondsey then went to live in Toronto, and they're still ringing in Toronto now. So it's a very close connection between the two towers. And my son, who was uh, playing the trumpet with the school brass band, they went out to or the school jazz band went out to Toronto and actually visited uh, Toronto Cathedral. So there's a, a link there as too, and he actually rang on the bells at Toronto. Thank you to my guest, Roger Booth, for telling us all about the Chambra Ring. More information, photographs and links can be found in our show notes at www.funwithbells.com. I'm Kathy Booth. This podcast was put together by a team. Special thanks go to Anne Tansley Thomas and John Gwynn, Leslie Belcher, Sue Hall, Nick Boyd, Rose Nightingale and the Society of Cambridge Youths for the recording of their ringing. There are openings for other roles within the production team. Contact me at funwithbellspodcast at gmail.com if you're interested. If you are in Britain and are interested in learning to ring, then please go to ringingteachers.org or for handbell ringers, hrgb.org.uk. Both websites have links to help you get started. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Fun With Bells. Don't forget to tell others that you can listen to this podcast for free. It's available from any podcast directory or from the website funwithbells.com. Next on Fun With Bells, we'll be talking to Gareth Davies about his PhD research on the history of bell ringing in Cambridge.